0: Hey there, Language Hackers! Shannon here to introduce this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast, where we chat with Turia Pope, a Spanish learner and homeschooling mom who is sharing the language with her kids. If you're interested in learning strategies to help your kids learn another language or about how to get past the false starter phase of language learning, this episode will have something for you. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com slash 19. I just wanted to say, Benny and I love reading reviews for this podcast. So if you'd like to share your thoughts about how you're finding it, you can do that at languagehacking.com slash review. You'll be helping us reach a wider audience and you'll be helping more people find out more about language hacking. Now on to our interview with Taria Pope.
1: Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Language Hacking Podcast episode. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Shannon. Hi, I'm Shannon. And today we are interviewing Turia. How are you doing today? A little
0: nervous, but fine.
2: <laughs> Nothing to worry about. We, we love having you on the show. Um, and let's get started, I guess, by hearing a little bit of your story. So. Um, What is your history with language learning and how did things get kicked off recently?
1: Uh, Well, my first language was Spanish. I spoke that until I was all three or so years old. And when my mom remarried, Spanish was forbidden. And I didn't remember anything for years and years. And then when I was around 20 or 21, I decided... I'd like to try and learn this language. And so off and on for another 20 years, I tried different things here and there. I tried reading. Um, When we lived in Washington, I by then had three children and was homeschooling and had a friend, a Colombian friend, come in three times a week to hang out with us and just do some immersion activities together. So just off and on. And then... The year I was turning 40, I decided I wanted to actually do this. And that's when I got serious and started doing tutors and eventually found the add one challenge.
0: And your first language with the add one challenge was Spanish, correct? Yes. Okay. And since then, you've done a couple of different challenges. Can you tell us what one of the biggest things that you got out of the challenge was that kept you coming back? Absolutely. Definitely
1: accountability and the community. I would tell my friends it's kind of like Weight Watchers meets boot camp. Um, there were regular challenges that pushed me outside of my comfort zone and gave me a roadmap, but also it was just such a huge community space for people like me who are trying to learn a language or had already learned many languages Um It helped my marriage because I wasn't constantly talking to my husband about the best way to learn a language. I had friends I could ask a question or ask about a certain curriculum or approach. It was really a huge difference.
2: And um, uh, I'm curious because you mentioned you've got uh, your three kids, and I'm presuming that in your household, Spanish is definitely not forbidden. Absolutely. So how does that work?
1: Well, so that was a part of my journey because that's, you know, in my 20s, I wanted to learn Spanish. In my 30s, I had kids and young babies. And as I decided to homeschool, I knew they wouldn't have the access to immersion schools that are becoming more popular in the United States. But I wanted them to have language. I wanted them to have fluency in a language other than English. So I kind of picked up my kids and we went along the ride together. Um, I, I guess it was last February, decided we would move to Spain for three months and do an immersive experience and use that as a goal to get better at Spanish at home and provide the motivation to continue to study. And so they've been learning right along with me. Everything I do gets trickle filter down to them.
0: So I have a million questions for you about this because uh, I also have young children that I do languages with and I actually have family who homeschools as well and they're constantly asking me what they should be doing with their kids um, as far as language learning and things like that. So um, my first question for you is what ages were your kids when you started teaching them Spanish? So when we first
1: started having my friend come and do immersive experiences, I had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a seven-ish-year-old. When this past year, when I first really started, like, I'm going to learn this language and we're doing this together, um, they were five, seven, and 11.
0: And what are some of the activities that you do together that are more not necessarily for fun and family things, but maybe more along the homeschool curriculum?
1: So we have Spanish time Um, A part of our learning routine is a reading basket where we sit down during a meal and I read different things from there that always includes Spanish, Spanish poems, Spanish stories. Uh, We have Spanish activity books that we got in Spain that we can do together. We have Spanish songs that we sing together. When we clean up, we do it in Spanish with Spanish music playing or we'll have set times where we're only speaking Spanish. Um, And as we've gained more fluency, it's just become more fluid. Um, My kids will slip in and out of Spanish just comfortably in speaking with me. And then just for enjoyment, we allow them to do more screen time than we normally would if it's in Spanish. So they have a few apps that they enjoy and movies that we'll watch regularly. Um, And then we've had a few... Different curriculum that we've tried over the years, but really I found that reading and singing and playing together are the best methods. My plan when we returned from Spain was to use the program that we use to live abroad, work away, to invite volunteers that are native Spanish speakers in our home and spend a certain amount of time doing immersive Spanish experiences with my kids. But with Corona, that's of course on hold for now.
2: And uh, you mentioned that you use apps and you have various content. Uh, So for anybody else out there who's kind of trying to find the right materials to help their kids, what specific resources would you recommend?
1: We love Fabulinga. And I am a really low-tech mother and teacher. So in order for my kids to use the app, they have to read three books in Spanish first. And that gains. 15 minutes. And then if they want another 15 minutes, they have to read three more books. Um, and that's been really great. They just, we have a big basket full of Spanish books. They go grab three and read through them. Uh, Fable Cottage has great stories. And right now during Corona, they're all free. Fabulinga is free as well. Um, I think it's pretty nominal once Corona's over like $4 or so a month. But the um, Spanish Experiment as well has some fairy tales and videos and audio. And the great thing about Fable Cottage and the Spanish experiment is they have the transcripts as well, and they're in bite-sized pieces. So if my kids hear a word and say, what does that mean? I can flip through the transcript really quickly and, and find that piece.
0: Have you noticed any differences between how quickly your kids pick up the language? Because there's such different ages and there's always like the, as they get older, it gets more difficult. Have you noticed a difference?
1: I've noticed a difference in the approach so my 12 my now 12 year old will read harry potter and he'll read it and listen we've got it on audible that's part of his daily routine he'll listen and read um, he takes a more academic approach to learning it my girls my younger kids just absorbed it while we were in spain especially without any fear they just mimicked really well and they didn't care about making mistakes so by the time our 3 months were over they my Uh, we went to visit a friend in the North and her brother said, I thought you said your friends were American. And she said, they are. And he said, those girls are not American. They're, um, and they just have zero fear. And they, they, they understand less than I do. And they have maybe a smaller vocabulary, but they have a better grasp of how the language works. And they do not care if they get a tense wrong or a conjugation wrong. They communicate very well and fluidly.
2: And I'm curious because I've, I've uh, of course had uh, a bunch of experiences in other countries where I've gone there as a single guy, and I've found like adult ways to get exposure to the language. And uh, I love that they were adventurous; they didn't make any, uh, didn't worry about making mistakes and such. But how did you make sure they were getting the exposure and the interaction with Spanish uh, that you would not be doing typically from back home, from learning from home? How did you take advantage? Of Spain from their perspective
1: so I had a lot of um, time beforehand that I was preparing and working with our host families that we were going to live with and I actually enrolled them in public school while we were there so this was their first experience in a school environment <laughs> and it was in Spain and it was a very small village very a tiny school with my children I think they had twelve kids that might be overshooting it so it was tiny and I didn't realize it that this at the time but it was half in Valenciano and half in Spanish and so now my girls are fluent in both they they feel comfortable in both languages my son less so but we also I had seen the experience that I think it's Scott Young is it mm-hmm. yep I had done the three months in each country, and so I'd prepared my kids. When we get to Spain, it's Spanish. I knew with three small children, there would inevitably be times where we'd need to speak English. But for the most part, we stuck with Spanish. I was clear with our hosts, we're here to speak Spanish. So they knew when we got to Spain, that's what we were doing.
0: And I know from being in the challenge with you that there were a couple of situations that were a little bit trickier in Spain with your kids and I'd love to know how you navigated those in Spanish. So I worked really hard to learn how to speak before I left. My
1: biggest nightmare was getting off the plane with my three children and not being able to get through customs or not being able to find our Airbnb apartment. I worked less on listening comprehension and that did bite me a few times, but it always worked out in the end. So one time... I bought train tickets, not understanding that I had bought a different train compartment for my son, who'd never been on a train before. And we were going to be on this train for three hours. Um, so that took a little while, but by the end, I had built this beautiful community on the train of people who were trying to help me reunite with my son. And I had these beautiful women that were watching over him until we could change seats again. And the conductor was there helping me and everyone was really great. Um, another time when we were in Valencia, we live 14 hours from the beach so when we got to Valencia my kids were so excited to go to the beach and they just scattered and there were a million people on the beach and within 3 seconds I didn't know where any of my children were and I was I spent the next 30 minutes trying to where are they where are they where are they and I'd located one then I'd locate another and then my third my daughter came up to me and said mom the lifeguard needs you Amy got my daughter got stuck out in the ocean. And so they threw us all into the lifeguard emergency four-wheel jeep. We raced over to the medic and I had another hour where they were checking my daughter. She was fine. She'd gotten rolled and stuck in a wave, but it was a solid hour of really important Spanish and I could understand very little. (laughs) And I had to sign things, (laughs) releasing my daughter and I just wasn't quite sure what exactly had happened. But eventually we got there.
2: That's amazing. And Valencia is quite the, the choice for a city. It was my first ever experience with Spanish as well. The lovely, I always find it's uh, one of those Goldilocks zone cities of not too big, not too small. And uh, like how, how else was your experience there in terms of really getting to know the culture, thanks to your language skills.
1: It was phenomenal. My kids were thrilled that everything was named after me because they have the, river here, parks uh, metro stops so everywhere they went mom this is your city this is amazing (laughs) that's right Uh, because of course here my name's really weird no one's ever heard of it but we spent a month just outside um Valencia in a basically a converted farmhouse for guest villas And then made lots and lots of friends there, some of whom happened to live in Valencia. So when we returned back after a month, we met up with these friends. And it was a totally different experience. It was so fun to be traveling with them and experiencing the city with a friend. It was really great.
0: You had mentioned that some of the things that you're going through, you didn't quite understand what was happening in the moment. And I know for a lot of learners, when they go and they put themselves in those sorts of situations, it's like their biggest fear that they're not going to understand. So what were some of the things that you did to navigate those situations? I said, please repeat that a lot, (laughs) a little bit slower,
1: please. And I acted out a lot. And then with my daughter in particular, I kept saying, but she's okay, right? Like, this is okay. That's the main point I'm trying to get across. And, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you try again. I mean, it, it was scary because it was a help situation, but my daughter was right there in front of me, okay. Um, we had another experience where my son and my husband later on got pulled out by a rip current, and there was a time where we weren't sure if they were okay, but um, yet again, we were helped by many people, and and they ended up fine. Um, but just in terms, especially when it's not a, a scary situation, it's a situation like getting your train tickets printed, important, but not dangerous. Um, I just found that I had to go back and say it again and ask my question again and just try and smile a lot and be polite and thank people for their patience. Um, And I just found people were so gracious so kind with my mistakes. And they all thought I was crazy, this single mother out in Spain, because I was out there for two and a half months alone. And then my husband came out for the last two weeks. So I'm this only mother with three kids traveling alone. And people would just look over and they'd see my son struggling with a suitcase and pick it up and carry it up the metro steps for him. And Pat them on the back, or people were really looking out for us and being so kind, both with the language and the culture and all of it. I just, I think, you know, you have a few choices when people don't understand you. You know, you can continue to push it if it's important. You can find another way to say it, or you can say, well, it's not important. Let's move on with the conversation.
2: Yeah, and it's it's always a point that a lot of people are afraid of going abroad in terms of thinking that the native speakers would get frustrated with them, they get mad at them, and that they would. Uh, be just constantly annoyed. But your experience, of course, was the opposite, that the people are just so generous with their time and so patient as you're trying to explain yourself.
1: So patient. And sometimes I would say, um, like, I remember when I first got off the plane and we're all jet lagged and I'm trying to find customs and the airport in Madrid was deserted and I didn't know where to go. There weren't Signs that I understood at least. And I finally found someone to ask, and they started speaking to me in English. And I said, Is it okay if I practice Spanish with you? I'm trying to get better. And she immediately, absolutely, and she slowed down and she asked me every other sentence Do you understand? So patient, so kind, so generous.
0: I think that's really amazing because I feel like that's the opposite of how people expect things are going to go. They think that, oh, you know, this person's going to switch to English and then I'm not going to know what to do to get it to switch back. So I think that's really helpful that you shared how to, you know, get people to open up and then maybe be a little bit more patient with you and, um, you know, keep things in the language that you're learning. So um, I'm curious about uh, what your personal study methods are. So we've talked a bit about what you do with your kids, but what do you personally do to like your favorite rituals for learning Spanish? So right now at the moment, I'm really working on increasing my
1: listening comprehension. So I do a lot of listening and I do a lot of reading, and I do a lot of reading and listening. So every morning I wake up before everyone else in my family. I listen to a audio clip between five and fifteen minutes that I've picked out the night before. I listen to it two or three times, depending on how early I get myself out of bed. Um, I try to summarize it verbally. I'm not always great at that, but I notice big, big gains when I do. Sometimes I write it then I will read and listen to it together. And if I'm really great, I'll listen and read the same thing later that night. And then that basic concept is something I do over and over. I'll listen to a podcast two or three times, read it and listen to it, listen to it again. I'll watch a show, then I'll import it to link, read through it, watch and listen to it again with subtitles. Um, I'm just really trying to boost my comprehension and then I haven't done as many tutoring sessions lately since I got back from Spain, but I have many friends that I do language exchanges with regularly, two to three times a week. And I'm constantly messaging and checking in um, that way. And those that's the nuts and bolts of what I'm doing right now, reading and listening a lot.
2: And how do you manage your time in terms of the fact that obviously, like you said, you're helping your kids with their own Spanish learning uh, journey, but the things they would need to learn are very different from what you would need to learn. So how do you uh, manage and make sure that you get your own focused Spanish time?
1: I wake up really early. I try to wake up at 4 a.m. to give myself the time and space to sit with the material, to study it. And then I, you know, there's always a way to pull it through the day, whether it's a podcast that I'm listening to while I'm doing the dishes or doing yard work. There are ways to do my specific stuff that I enjoy, and then the stuff that's pushing me as well. And then with the kids, I really, at this point, I'm still trying to make it enjoyable. We're reading things we enjoy. We're watching things we enjoy. We're listening to songs that we enjoy. We're making up funny stories in Spanish. We're doing funny games. Sometimes we'll do a math game and I'll say, let's just do it in Spanish. And we're just pulling that thread through our life.
0: You had mentioned that one of the resources that you liked using was link. And then you also mentioned podcast. I was wondering if you could share a little bit more specifically what some of these resources you use are. So I really like radio ambulante for podcasts. I'm not at a point where I can
1: understand it all the first go, but I can, I can get the gist um, and I'm getting better the more I do it. And with link, I can import anything I want. If I want to read something from Wikipedia, if I want to import, uh, something from Netflix, uh, Harry Potter, I just import and read. Anything I feel like, and then I have these friends around the world who are native Spanish speakers that are constantly sending me fun things, like a yoga video clip. So this morning, I tried a yoga on YouTube in Spanish or some poetry that they think I might enjoy, or um you know, it, it's almost become s- Spanish was the reason I started doing these things. and now, Spanish is, the, is what enables these relationships to continue and deepen. So a lot of it is led by what develops with these friendships. My friend sent me a recipe that we ate together in Spain. And I thought, yeah, if I can find these ingredients, I'd like to make this. Of course, it's completely in Spanish because her mom speaks zero English. Um, and it's her mom's recipe.
0: If you were to do the challenge again with a new language, what language would you pick and why?
1: I just started dabbling my toe in French. And my plan is to do a challenge in French, but probably not until the fall. (laughs) Because I really, really want to push to a more advanced level of Spanish before I do a challenge. So right now, I'm just doing a really, really relaxed, slow entry where it's all input and stories. Link has some really great mini stories that start with, I would say, A1 maybe A2, just that beginner level. And they use the most used word. And they do it from perspective and questions after. And so I'm just just slowly doing that. I've also started with um, the French Uncovered program. Just all input, though, at this point.
2: And uh, up until the fall, do you have any kind of uh, targets with your Spanish or any... Uh, specific things that you'd like to achieve with it while you're still focusing on it?
1: Well, originally, we were going to go to Columbia this year, and we're readjusting. Um, now, I really would like to push to a C1. It's hard. The gains are slower at this point. But the other side of that is I enjoy the language. I don't have that stress of, I don't know 90% of what is happening now. I I can enjoy reading and listening and watching movies without this anxious feeling of, I don't know what's happening. So I'm moving in that direction of understanding more words, understanding more context, understanding more nuances and enjoying the process.
0: I'm actually going to jump back to something you had spoken about before. And you said that your son, one of his favorite things to do is like read Harry Potter in Spanish. Is he reading the book or is he also using link?
1: He's reading on his Kindle. I've asked him if he wants to use link and I think kids just care less about knowing every single thing. He's read Harry Potter a million times in English He listens to it, he reads it on his Kindle, and he gets it. And he will come to me and and repeat whole lines. Oh, this is so funny. I didn't know this is how they said House Elf in Spanish. And he'll quote Dobby word for word with a perfect accent. And he just, you know, whereas I'm going, now why did this Verb, do that in this situation. And I'm like linking each individual word and then the phrase together and I'm, you know, pulling it apart and putting it back together. And he's just reading it.
2: And what are your long-term plans with the kids in terms of making sure that their skills continue to develop and that they reach true fluency?
1: So like I mentioned, we had planned to go to Colombia this year. That will still happen eventually. I think my kids have asked to return to Spain. They have some friendships they'd like to continue. They have places we didn't get to they'd like to visit. So that might happen before. We have the flexibility to use travel as a way to inform our current studies and that will probably continue. We'll continue deepening our learning at home, watching videos, watching movies, reading, enjoying the language. When it's possible, inviting native speakers to live with us and work with our kids in a comprehensible input kind of way, not where they're sitting down and teaching the language. But they're playing together in the language. They're doing things together in the language. And then that will lead into another trip where we deepen the language and we deepen our understanding of how to use the language where we're, when we're surrounded by it. Um, my kids have already asked to investigate other languages. The reason I started with French is my, daughter said, let's do a little French with Corona. We're, we've got nothing else to do. And my son would like to do a little Mandarin. So um, I try to keep it fun and, and let it be child-led as well.
0: Do you feel that seeing how your children learn languages has influenced what you do in your own studies? I think it influences
1: my self-talk. You know, I, I sent my little six-year-old baby off to school, who'd never been to a school ever in her whole life. And she, she knew some Spanish, but she knew zero Valenciano. And she blossomed and made friends and never let not having a perfect grasp of the language stop her from having fun and building relationships. So I've apologized for myself less after watching my children learn a language. Instead of constantly, oh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, or how do I say that again? And, and just enjoying the relationship and moving on.
2: And you say that your kids have these relationships with people that they've built on friendships, but I'm curious: uh, have you have have you had your own um, your own friends that your own friendships that have grown entirely through Spanish?
1: Yes, it was really funny. These friends that I mentioned to you that live in Valencia, they stayed for two weeks at this villa that we lived in while we were doing our workaway experience outside Valencia and it was a volunteer exchange so i was helping clean the rooms every day and then would have a chance to interact with guests and family and and so we would meet at the pool a lot because they had kids our age and we would talk and we would play and got along well and when we went back to valencia to visit them we spent a couple of wonderful days playing and visiting, going to the park and getting food. And at one point, I asked my friend, Patri if she spoke English. And I don't remember why it came up, because suddenly I realized, I don't know that she's ever helped me out. Because sometimes people would do that, like, oh, did you mean this? And they'd say it in English, and then we'd go back to Spanish. And she said, oh, no, I don't speak any English. And I realized, wait a minute. <laughs> Our whole friendship began
0: and flourished without any English. That's amazing. Um so one of the things that we like to ask everyone who comes on the podcast is, what does language hacking mean for you? I think it
1: means getting to the main course first. It means you're not wasting your time learning things that you won't use. Where is the library is an important phrase, but maybe a lot later than Where's the metro <laughs> and really getting to what you're going to use, and as I was preparing to leave for Spain, I worked with my tutors to prepare phrases and situations that I would encounter, and we'd practice those so if I need to get a taxi, how do I do that if I need to order food, how do I do that? you know how do I ask where the doctor is those kinds of things practicing you mean you are what you practice and you know, a script and just knowing what you would use more. You, you can't know everything. There were a lot of things I didn't know when I got there. But
2: Yeah, I really like that, that idea, preparing and getting into the meat of it as fast as possible. And um you've already told us that you will eventually be using yourself into French and that once it's safe to do so, you'll be traveling to uh, the likes of Colombia and maybe back to Valencia. But I'm also curious, just in general, what are your upcoming plans? Or what, what's, what's your long-term uh, goal with all these languages? Like, What do you plan over the next years?
1: I really like being challenged and uncomfortable. And learning a language is one of the most humbling experiences I've ever done. And I love it. I love sitting there, not understanding everything in French and saying, but I will. And I will get this and I will make friends. I will learn something I never knew about. I can't even begin to catalog all the things I've learned, not having to do a Spanish just because I started to learn the language and I started to learn the people. It's a completely different experience when you are speaking to someone in their own language about their life and about their culture than when you are a tourist checking off the boxes of things you need to see in a certain country and so long term i anticipate i'll always be uncomfortable with a language and continuing to grow in the languages that i am comfortable with i don't know how many but it's a place i really like to be i like the community i like the people i've met and the experiences i've had because I've learned a language.
0: Well, thank you for joining us and sharing your experience learning languages on your own and with your family. I think your story is amazing and I've enjoyed getting to see your progress in the challenges. And for those of you listening, if you um, want to get any of the links that were mentioned in this episode, you can check out the show notes and everything that we mentioned in this episode will be listed there.
2: Thanks. Thanks so much again, uh, Tria, for joining us today. I found it very interesting.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for this challenge. It was a huge
1: turning point in my language learning journey.
2: And I'm sure you've been inspiring other people by sharing that journey with them. So thank you for being a part of it. And uh, otherwise I uh, will hear from everybody in the next episode and I'll wish them all a very happy language learning.
0: episode, Benny and I like to share something that stood out to us. In this interview, Turia said something that needs to be highlighted. She said, you are what you practice. What does this mean? It means what you spend your time on is what you are and do in language learning. So if you have a vision of who you are in another language or what you want to become, that's what you should work on. And if you want a little extra support with this, why not join us in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge, where you'll be coached by me and community coaches like Turia. And you'll have a 15-minute conversation in a new language after just 90 days. You can find out more and join our waitlist at fluentin3months.com challenge. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel. With special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.